This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Genesis chapter 5. And I think I've said before, we're going to look today at one of the Bible characters. And I always find sometimes when you sit down to really look at the life of one of the, the Bible characters, there's so much to say. And some of the, the verses talk about the characters. It may be only one verse, a couple of verses, maybe a few more, where some basically have chapters after them. But in no small amount of verses, God can say so much to us. that The lessons of these people's lives speaks so deeply. And speaks so strongly in their lives. If we take the time and actually think about these people. And you know, the Bible talks about Elijah. And it says he was a man of like passions. And basically what it means, he was like you and I. He had the same struggles with us. He had the same situations that we find ourselves in at times. Every part of his life was a normal life. Because he was a flesh and blood man. And many a time, and I've said this before, we look at, the Bible characters are some sort of superhero. But they're not superheroes. They're men and women of like passions who had the same struggles, who maybe had the same desires, but they were real flesh and blood people. And that encourages me because if God can do what he's done in their lives, well, God can do something important in my life and he can do something important in your life. And I think we always need to have that before us because sometimes we're typical, and especially in Northern Ireland, we, we sort of tend to put ourselves down a bit. But listen, be encouraged. Encourage yourself when you read the Bible, when you read about the Bible characters. Don't say God couldn't do this in me. God can do it in you. And if we are willing and open to God, God will do great things in our lives. You know, and I think about King David. He was a shepherd. And he became a king. A shepherd became a king. When I think of, 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 of some of the minor prophets, I think it was Amos. Amos was a farmer. God made him a prophet. I think of Gideon. He was in the threshing, the threshing floor, hiding from the Midianites. And God made him a mighty man of valor. That could be any one of us in here today. May not do the same things, but that could be any one of us. As we open ourselves to God and God puts his hand upon our lives, we will do great things for God. So that's our starting point today. And that's why I've got us to turn to Genesis chapter 5. And there's only a few verses I want to read because it only says a few verses about this fellow. And you know the story. And it's in verses 18 and we'll start in verse 18. And it says, And Jared lived a hundred, a hundred and sixty and two years, and he begot Enoch. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch eight hundred, eight hundred years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and he begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah three hundred years, and begot sons and daughters. 
And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then just in the Hebrews, I, I, let me read these ones. You don't have to turn to these. In Hebrews 11, 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had the testimony that he pleased God. And then in Jude, it says, Beloved, when I give... Or sorry, I'll come back to Jude in a moment. Well, no, let's just read it. This is, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of, of Moses. Dare not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these things speak evil, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after their era of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of, of Korah. These are the spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withers, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Now Enoch there is mentioned in about five, six verses. There is a few other areas where he's just mentioned in the, the genealogies. But in the four or five verses, it says so much to us of the man Enoch. And we want to just have a wee quick look at Enoch today. There's, there's various ways I've thought about of, of, of looking at him, you know. But today we're going to just look at Enoch, the man. You know, we could look at Enoch, the prophet, the prophet. But I just want to look at Enoch the man this morning. And the first thing, that's why I read Jude there. Enoch lived in a time not unlike our own. We read all of Jude there, and it says so much of the state that the country was in. It says so much of all that was going on around them. 
you know, he looked, he looked and he stunned the corruption. And like, to be honest with you, when you read that, you and I don't have to look very far today to see the exact same things. The corruption, the selfishness, the ungodliness, and especially the ungodliness in the church. People denying the Lord. You know, in verse 3, when Jude starts to speak, he's talking about earnestly contend for the faith. He's talking about fighting for the faith. I don't know, you know, just as an example, I don't know if you noticed this week, well, some, of, some of it was on Facebook, but even today in, in Houston, Texas, I don't know if you've seen it, but basically now there, there's, a, there's a, a, a lesbian mayor has been voted in. And they've asked pastors in the, in the churches for their sermons. To do that, have to deal with homosexuality. That have to deal with with all of that stuff. They've asked them. To, they've actually got a, a law, a subpoena, to make them produce those sermons. You know, that's what is happening today. And in these days, it was exactly the same. And there's other things that are happening behind the scenes. Other things that are very open. But you can see now why Jude's saying to earnestly contend for the faith. It talks about men in verse 4, about they've crept in on a word. Now within the church, I don't want to speak openly to the church, there's some terrible practices within the church. And it says that men have crept in on a word. You know, openly they came in, blasting all around, speaking heresies and speaking deceptions. We would be very, well, hopefully we would be very quick to put see it. Hopefully you see it before, you know, as, as that, a deception. But over time, little by little by little by little by little, ungodly preachers all have crept in and are not sticking to the Word of God. And it's changed it slightly, changed it a bit more, changed it a bit more to where it doesn't bear resemblance sometimes to the Word of God. Bible says that these, this is the time that, that Enoch lived in. They've crept in on a word. They've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, into filthiness. They're saying, I can do what I want. God's grace is more than enough. God will give me his grace. God will give me his mercy. They've turned the grace of God to allow them to do whatever they want. Verse 5 and 7 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Then he goes on to talk about the angels, and then he goes on to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. And these cities and these people thought, we have God. God's on our side. The angels that, that, that had fallen, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, they thought our sin... It's never going to catch up with us. But the Bible says your sin will surely find you out. But they didn't escape. And even God's people didn't escape. It talks about in verse 8, filthy dreamers. You know, sometimes I watch television and, and, and I read newspapers and see, is there anything that people can't think up, think up that is, is disgusting, that is just pulls everything down to a level that, that, that's that's worse than floor level. 
filthy dreamers. There's nothing that man can think up that just, just doesn't twist everything. Verse 10, it talks about the things that they know naturally. They're just going by what they feel. Judges, it talks about, you know, each man, everyone done what felt right to them. But listen, we're led by the Spirit. We're not led by the flesh. But these men walked naturally. They walked after their flesh. If it feels right, I'm doing it. But it's sin to God. There was greed. There was reputation for the prophets, that they were a prophet for hire. There was no true men of God. There was prophets for hire. You know, talk there about Balaam. And Balaam was a prophet for hire. King, the king of um, Bashan asked him to come and curse the people of Israel. But he couldn't because they were God's people. But he'd done it for hire. You could pay the prophet. I've watched shows in the past, you see, in, in, in Africa. And where people are suffering. And they're asking so-called godly men to come. And they're charging them for it. And if you can't pay, you don't pray. They don't pray for you if you can't pay. That's not, what, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the spirit that we walk under. There's no fear in verse 12. No one seems to fear anymore. They don't fear governments. They don't fear authority. They don't fear the police. And most of all, they don't fear God. It says in verse 12, these are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Listen, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. They have nothing to offer. Absolutely nothing to offer. But many in the church are following after it. But they have nothing to offer. Because unless they're offering the word of God, then it's empty. They're rootless. They're foaming out their own shame. They're speaking things out and they don't even see the shame that it is bringing to their own lives and to the, 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 the name of God. All that's left for them is blackness of darkness. It's an interesting way of putting it. Blackness of darkness. The depth of it, of what God, where it's going to lead. And this is the time that Enoch lived in. And this is the time that we live in. And very, very quickly, it's getting darker and darker. And I know that's a bit depressing. So I've suitably depressed you there. So I'll... But listen, let me ask a question. Is it possible to live a life pleasing to God in the midst of all of this? Is it possible to live a life pleasing to God in the midst of all of this? Well, according to our story, according to Enoch, yes, it is. It is possible to live a life pleasing to God in today's society. And this is what encourages me, and I want us to encourage us today. Because up until now, Enoch walked as other men. Because look what it says about Enoch. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begot Methuselah. Now listen to this. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years. After 
65 years. Up until 65 years, Enoch walked as other men. He was in the society. He partook of the society. Who knows what sins he was involved in? The Bible doesn't tell us. Or we could look at it another way. And I believe it is valid as well. That Enoch was a godly man. But up until now, he hadn't walked close with God. He hadn't walked in a real strong relationship with God. And I think we have to look at both of those. Enoch walked as other men. But what was the catalyst that changed him? What was the catalyst that caused Enoch to think differently? Look what it says. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah. After. You know, I was just thinking there, Johnny and Tess are expecting their second child. And there's other ones of young children in here. I think of Hannah and, and, and other ones. And I think for, for Enoch, and I don't know if it happened, I think over a period of time, maybe when his wife came in and says, Enoch, we're having a baby. And I don't maybe think Enoch was real shocked by that. Not so much that they were trying to have children, but the very weight of it was the catalyst to cause Enoch to think seriously about where his life was. You know, God can come in a whirlwind. Came to Elijah, Elijah, he says he wasn't in the whirlwind, but he can come into our lives in a whirlwind. Or he can come in a still, small voice. I don't know, for myself, I think for a, for a lot of years, I always believed in God, but, but I think for a lot of years, God in my heart was breaking me down and, and just drawing me closer and causing me to think, Martin, where are you? What is this life all about? And I think that happened over a, a lot of years and, you know, June's sitting there and I know June probably, well, I know she prayed for me many a time. And we used to have chats and talks and, you know, I thought I knew it all. So I did, you know, you know I still think I know it all, but, you know, you, you know that's not true. And, but we would talk about God. And generally, although I opened my mouth and said it, I don't know whether I fully believed it, you do the best you can. Try and keep the Ten Commandments and God will look after you. But deep down in my heart, I knew that wasn't right. Deep down in my heart, I knew that wasn't right. And June had always invited me to meetings. And this particular time, yes, I thought, right, I'll go. So, well, we were speaking on the second coming, so it's always interesting if you're, if you're, you know, you're looking for spiritual things. And I have to say, over, it was over five nights. But by the time the fourth night came, I knew God was speaking to me. I knew I didn't want to go to hell. And I knew I needed Jesus. And that was the night I went forward and gave my life to Christ. I couldn't have told you an awful lot about it. What I'd done, but I knew something had changed in my life. And that was the catalyst for me. Yes, it had built up over time, but that challenge brought me to that point. I need to take a step for Christ. Maybe for you it's, it's different. Maybe there's been a whirlwind in your life. Maybe there's been a storm in your life. 
and it's hit you like a train. And it's, you're saying to yourself, I, I, what am I going to do? And it drove you towards God. And God in his grace and his mercy met you and saved you and brought you through. And for others, if they were saved when they were a child, five or six years old, but God saved them. And God is still with them and brought them through. And every one of us has a different testimony. So one of your questions on, on, on Tuesday night is, what was the catalyst? And I hope you're going to share your testimony. You probably don't need the rest of the questions once you all start talking. No, which is I like. But there's a catalyst. And the catalyst in Enoch's life was the birth that he was going to have a son. It was the birth of his son. Enoch felt the weight of it. He felt the weight of what, hold on a minute here, I'm going to be a father. And sometimes, you know, when we're growing up, and, and, and I remember when my father died there four or five years ago. And it's quite a strange thing, and I still think about it. You know, because I was just turned 40, really, so I had. And I remember when my father died, we worked together. And my father was always giving advice out. So he was, you know, whether you wanted it or not, you got it. So you did. But I have to be honest, as a 40-year-old man, when he died, I felt slightly, I've no one else to ask now. I've no one else to lean upon. But that is the way this life is. We have to grow and stand on our own two feet. And I felt that when my father died. Well, who can I go and ask advice of? And myself and June, we, we would chat and talk, and I know at times she would, she would think the same. And, um, but you do feel that loss. But it's the challenge, and you feel the weight of it. I have to grow up and be a man myself. And maybe that's, you're about to leave school and go to university. Or maybe you're going to leave university and you're going out into the working world. And there is those weights that you feel. I'm growing up here. And you know, sometimes you don't want to grow up. But God uses it to cause us to grow. And we have to move on. You know, some of when you move on and you, and you get married and you're going to be a husband, you're going to be a wife. And you ever say to yourself, and I, I know I've said it to myself, said it to myself many times since, you, you think, right, I'll get everything in order and, and, and I'm going to be a husband now. What, what do you need to do? I'm going to be a wife. What do you need to do? I'm going to have children. What do you need to do? You get the nursery and all done and you use your painting and you don't know whether it's a girl or a boy and you think, well, I painted it in a neutral color, so well, well. But you're preparing to grow up. And it can be a frightening thing. But it's also a great blessing. It's a great blessing when you learn to stand on your own two feet. And Enoch felt the weight of it. And he wanted to be a better person. Wanted to be a better husband. He wanted to be a better father. He He started to become a serious man. And there's going to be times in your life which is going to challenge you to be a serious man or woman. And especially in the things of God, 
title of the message today is, it's time to get serious with God. And this is what happened to Enoch. It was time to get serious with God. Enoch looked about, and he seen the state of this world. And as I say, we look about and we see the state of it. Is this what we want for the future? Is this, on a natural level, is this what you want for your children? And on a spiritual level, as the church of God, we're setting an example for the future of the church. Is this what we want for the future of the church? It's time to get serious with God. You know, I, I, I like a laugh and I like a joke and you know that and jokes are corny and all that sort of stuff, you know. But listen, we need to get beyond that. There's a terrible, even in the world and in, in, in serious things, and especially in this year, there's a terrible, what I notice, lightheartedness. There's a lightness in the things of God where we're not serious. We're not serious about the word of God. We're not serious about our prayer times. We're not serious about our church family. We take it or we leave it. There's a lightness. And sometimes when I look at television, I think, is there... I do. I talk to myself and say, is there anything serious anymore where it's not taken and thrown in the gutter, whether it's by comedians or whether whatever? Listen, there's big questions that people are trying to avoid, but there's big questions we as the church need to face. You know, in the times that Noah had talked about, they were, they, were, they were coming and they were marrying and being given in marriage. And listen, those things, if you notice, they weren't sinful, being married and given in marriage. But there were things that they weren't addressing. There were serious matters within their lives, their spiritual life, that they weren't addressing. They were going on with life and down the road was common judgment. And no one was thinking seriously about it. You know, the Bible talks about in the end times, there'll come a time when people won't stand sound doctrine. They won't stand sound doctrine. And I think to a large degree, we're very close, if not already in the, the, the early beginnings of that. Listen, sound doctrine is what God says. It's the word of God. But it says about they'll, 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 they'll bring preachers to themselves really to tell them what they want to hear. They have itching ears. Somebody's saying something good over there. Something's saying good over there. But there's no depth in it. There's no challenge in it. But God, we need to start thinking seriously. It's time to get serious with God. Enoch looked around and he's about to be a father. And he says, is this what I want for my future? Is this what I want for my son? Do I want him to grow up like this? Do I want him to be involved in these things? Do I want him to be exposed to these things? And this is where God brought him to. And I like Enoch listened to the voice in his heart. He listened to the voice in his heart and he says, I need God. I need God to help me because I can't do this without him. 
I'm walking as other men today, but I need to walk in the ways of God. We can see it plainly and clearly. Listen, your children are going to be exposed to a lot of stuff. We're exposed to a lot of stuff, and it's not good. But listen, this is what we need to expose them to, the, to the Word of God, and we need to expose them to the Spirit of God. You know, Enoch acknowledged his need. God called out to him and says, Enoch, I'll direct your path. I'll lead you in green pastures. My rod and my staff, they will comfort thee. If you will walk with me, I will be with you. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah. Enoch, walk with me. So at this point, Enoch had two choices. It could go on the way he was going, or he could turn to God. And this is what encourages me, and I hope encourages you, because this was a real man in real situations, with real decisions, and he made the right decision in the midst of a time like this. He chose to walk with God. That was the day that Enoch became a new man. This day, Enoch became a new man. And you know what? He walked on for 300 years and he never went back. Enoch was 65. That's our retirement. Well, supposed to be our retirement age. Enoch was a young man in the fast scheme of things because he went on to walk with God for 300 years. When I was thinking about this, Enoch is still living today because Enoch never died. God took him. And I believe he's going to be one of the two witnesses in Revelation, but that's another, that's another story. But Enoch was a young man at 65. I don't know what that equates to in our terms. Teens, early teens. But Enoch became a new man this day. He says, this is not what I want for my future. What an example. What an example Enoch was to his children. What an example Enoch from this day was an example to his whole family. What an example this day was Enoch to his whole community. His family got the blessing of Enoch's decision. Enoch's decision just didn't affect himself. Enoch's decision affected his family, his friends, and to, to an extent, his society. But Enoch walked with God. Do you know, there's no better example than a godly man or a godly woman. You know, there may be mocking, there may be ridicule. Some will admire you, some will hate you. But listen, you'll be an example one way or the other. Richard Baxter was an old Puritan preacher. And he was a young teenager. He had temptations, you know, to do everything that everybody else was doing. And in those days, like today, the church was under attack. Because the word Puritan, they, they called them Puritans as an insult to them. You know, we think about it today as pure, Puritan as a, as a compliment. But his father became a, a Christian. And they called him a Puritan. And his father lived right as an example. And he talks about his father. He says, he says, I had in my heart and I was tempted. I wanted to be out with the other men and I wanted to be at the bars and I wanted to do what they were doing. 
And my father was as strong an example. He says he wasn't a, a blood and thunder preacher, but he just lived it. And he spoke when he, when he had to. But even he knew himself, he says, as a young man, he says, the example, I knew my father was right. When they abused him, when they called him names, I seen the reactions of my father, and I knew he was right. And through that example, Richard Baxter, one of the great Puritan preachers, came to Christ. That's the example. But Enoch walked with God. And we have to set that same example to our children, but to the church as well. This is the future we're talking about. Your future, our future, the future of the church. Proverbs 22, verse 6, we know these verses. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then Proverbs 1 and 8, what does it say? My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And that verse always interests me. It says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And when I always looked at that, it was about hearing. It was about the son hearing. But it also says, your father and your mother, hear their instructions. Because for Enoch, he wasn't walking right with God up until then. He had nothing to offer to the future of his son. But when he got himself right, he could offer his future something. He could offer his son an example to live a godly life. So I'm saying to us today, you know, for you mothers, fathers, parents, grannies, grandas, you know, we bring um, Kathy's sister's niece and nephew to be an example to them. But listen, what sort of example are we going to be? What sort of example are we going to be? Listen, there's an example out that door. Is it going to be that? Or is it going to be this? Because this is what Enoch tells us. Walked with God after he begot Methuselah. He wanted a better future for his son. He was the greatest example to them. Let me do, we're almost finished. But the future of the church too. We're thinking of the natural way of parents and to the children, to the gener next generation. But what about the next generation of the church? What about you and I here today? Maybe you're at a stage Will you feel the weight? Do you feel the weight of your life? And you have a choice. Am I going to live, continue to live mediocre? Am I going to continue to live light? Or am I going to commit fully to Christ like Enoch? And there's a decision for us to make. There's a challenge in the life of Enoch. Are we going to walk with God? Because the example we set is going to follow on. What's the future of the church going to be like? We set that as the people of God. 
And if we walk with God and choose to walk deeply and according to his word, listen, I'm not talking perfectly because we're an imperfect people in the flesh, but our determination is to walk right with God and to commit to live for God and walk with him. Listen, we will be a great example. And the future of the church will be good. And the future of this church will be good. You know, let's be, 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 keep it really simple to ourselves. More a Pentecostal church. Pastor said there a few weeks back, you know, you want it to go on. He wants it to go on. Listen, your heart is going to go on. You're the future of this church. You're setting an example to someone else. Enoch walked with God. Let me just read this to you here. Old preacher Alexander White says this about Enoch. I think it just says it really well. And the challenge to us, it says, your first step in the direction of God is not taken when you put on your Sabbath clothes and walk demurely into your pew. No, but it is taken when you put on humility upon your proud heart and fill your hot heart full of meekness and resignation and quietness and contrition and a broken heavenly holy heart. To hold your peace when you are reproved is a direct and sure step towards God. To be silent when you suffer wrong, God takes it at that great moment the step of his towards you. To let a slight insult, a blow, a scoff, a sneer fall on your head like an excellent oil and on your heart like your true desert. With that man will I dwell, says the God of Israel in his prophets. Every step you take out of an angry heart and into a meek heart, out of, every, out of envy and into admiration and honor, out of ill will and into goodwill, on the spot your heavenly Father sees you and loves you and says to his angels, Hast thou considered my new servant? Enoch, on the day his first child was born, just began to lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. And as a newborn babe desired the sincere milk of the word that he might grow thereby. He just began to live in the spirit before the dispensation of the spirit and walked in the spirit even before the spirit was as yet given. And though his family and his friends and his enemies did not know so much as they, as the very name of the fruit of the Spirit, they all ate and drank that fruit in Enoch's walk and conversation. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and such like. Enoch walked with God. And in Enoch's life there is a challenge to us. He came to that stage where he felt the weight. He felt the weight. And he stepped up to the mark. And God caused him to carry the weight. So for us, the challenge today is, will we walk with God? You know where you are with God. You know whether you're holding lightly. Or you know why you're holding strongly with everything. But you know... And I believe the Spirit of God is challenging us this morning. Are we going to walk with God? Are we going to come and go? Or are we going to hold firm? And I believe our hearts are saying, I want to hold firm. 
And sometimes you think, what, I try and I do this and I do that and I fail this. But listen, let's commit. Let's commit. Let's commit to walk with God. And God will walk with us. This must have been some of the most blessed times that, God, that Enoch had with God. He walked with him. There must have been some great conversations. Now, I don't know if it was physically, but in his heart, he walked with God. And what God will do for us and what God will do through us, we will be a great example. Are we going to walk with God? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you for the example, Lord God, that the characters of this book are to us, Lord God. Lord, they, I thank you that they have something to say to us. Lord, they tell us that it is possible to walk in a life pleasing to you in these days. Lord, I just pray that you would minister to your people this morning, Lord. Lord, for those that, that, that maybe are holding lightly to you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe their heart wants to walk strongly with you. Lord, I pray that you would bring them to that place of commitment. I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to feel the weight, Lord God. Feel the weight, Lord, of the situation. To feel the weight of the call. And Lord, that you would bring them to their knees to call out to you. Cause them to hear that voice in their heart that says, come on to me all the that are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Lord, we just ask for your spirit this morning. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Because Lord, we need you. We can only live in the spirit and by the spirit unto the glory of God. Lord, I bless you and magnify you this morning. I give you the glory and the honor.